This week, my guest is Jesse Jackson of Mango Automotive. Sit tight, because you don't want to miss it. Welcome back to Ratchet & Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, editor at Ratchet & Wrench Magazine, where today I'm joined by Jesse Jackson of Mango Automotive. If you read the February 2023 breakdown, uh, you'll be pretty acquainted with Jesse Jackson. She and business partner Brian Walden started Mango Automotive at the end of 2021. Last year, the pair opened two more shops, and this year they're on a quest to open 30 shops. So today, Jesse's going to talk about the Mango brand, its philosophy, how they built it, and her grand plan for making Mango Automotive a household name. Here's Jesse. Well, hey, welcome to Ratchet & Wrench Radio, Jesse. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, now, Jesse, you came to the auto care industry by way of the software industry. Tell us how that came about. That's true. So I, my deep background is in environmental engineering, but I was in software for more than a decade. The last software startup I was with was actually in the automotive space, more like PDR, painless dent repair. But we exited to PE in... 2021 and i segued into the the brick and mortar space from there wow now your shops are called mango automotive how did you come up with that name <laughs> that's a funny story because my business partner and i were not acquiring the name in the first shop that we acquired so we needed to rename it and we spent days or maybe a few weeks throwing names back and forth and what it felt like to me was every name seemed the same, uh, whether we were calling ourselves Pinnacle Automotive or Speedies or J&B Automotive, that it all sounded very much like an automotive shop. And I wanted to differentiate us. And I also wanted us to be able to easily build a brand off of our name. So I, my sister actually came up with the idea of Mango. And we named it Mango Automotive, which has been really fun. We have a little character named Mia, who sort of represents our brand. And lots of people hate the name Mango Automotive, but no one forgets it. No, absolutely not. Like when I see Mango Automotive, like it, it, it sticks. It absolutely does stick. <laughs> you know who we are. <laughs> now, was Brian sold on the name in the beginning or did you take some convincing on your part? Well, I didn't convince him. I just overrode him, which I think this was the singular instance of me overriding his opinion. He definitely didn't like it. In fact, no one that I presented to liked it. My husband didn't like it. My business partner didn't like it. Even my mother-in-law hated it. But I used my, my best judgment and went after it anyway. And I'm glad that I did. It's been uh, pretty easy to build a brand around that name. And I love that it's so differentiated. Yeah. And I explained that relationship. Uh, how did you and Brian Walden become business partners? I was very lucky that when I was calling shops to find owners who were ready to retire or exit for one reason or another, that the second shop that I ever called was Brian's shop. And Brian and I sort of initially talked about my plan to build this automotive network um, and to build the aftermarket brand for electric vehicle repair and maintenance. 
And while he didn't want to retire out of his shop, he was very interested or intrigued about what I was building. He had a vision for himself that he would be in a boardroom one day. And it just turned out to be a, a really great partnership. So maybe I lucked into it, just happened to call him. But I think when you put yourself out there in the world, uh, coincidences happen or the universe brings together some cool stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely a big believer in like synchronicity, like the, like the right people, the right things, the right situations come to you when you're looking for them. Yes, you got to put the energy out there. <laughs> right on. Uh, so how is Mango different from other shops in philosophy and makeup? You mentioned that the EV component of the shop, like talk to me more about you know, what you guys are building. Sure. We all know electric vehicle repair and maintenance for um, aftermarket brands is a really small, small market right now, definitely less than 5% of the addressable market. So while we're building that brand, that's certainly not you know, primarily the work we're doing, we're building it on the back of gasoline or ICE vehicles. We do a few different things. One is I'm obviously a woman. So, you know, bringing equality into the automotive world is really important to me. That software company I mentioned that I exit, exited, we had sort of, I had a bad experience with the PE company who was made up of a huge board of all men. Um, and besides the HR director who was a woman, and I just, I really want to change that in automotive. I think it's widely acknowledged that 65% of decisions around personal vehicles are made by women. Um, yet oftentimes you walk into a shop that's old and dirty and there are car parts around um, that's not very friendly to, I would say, humans in general, but especially women. And in addition, it can be really hard for women, whether they're technicians or service advisors, um, to have a job in the automotive world. In fact, we're lucky to have one service advisor who many moons ago was in the automotive field, but in her small town, we stole her from another state. She, she couldn't stay in the automotive world largely because she's a woman and she's one of our, our best service advisors. We're very lucky to have her. So Building equality in this industry is probably the number one thing that drives me. We do a few other things differently, though. I, I mentioned the lobby. We build an environment that I like to say is a cross between a co-working space and a spa um, where just anyone can really feel comfortable. I mean, the design, I think, is beautiful. It evokes a little bit of mid-century modern. Um, we try to touch on all of the senses. We have some light music for the ears. We have, we're diffusing essential oils for the, for the, for the nose. We have some tasty drinks rather than um, a Coke machine. Maybe they're a little healthier. And we try to make the environment welcome and inviting and relaxing. Um, not that we want our customers to spend much time there. Hopefully we get them in and out. But for so long as they're there, it's, it's a comfortable space for them. Yeah, I'm reminded of a story that I read about you guys, um, maybe one of the local papers, where it talked about um, a lady knitting in the shop while waiting for a car. Uh, yeah, that was <laughs> funny because I think that the, the news reporter just happened to come in while there was someone knitting in there. Um, and, you know, we do sort of get that response. I think one of our very early Mango Out of Reviews said, this is a shop that a girl can really feel comfortable in. And I felt so good about that review. I felt like <laughs> we have nailed it. Like that is exactly what we were going for. 
um, not just a girl, but all humans, but, you know, especially to sort of wrap um, that gender or non-males into the envelope of feeling comfortable. So when we got that review, I just thought we're, we're doing this right. We got it. Absolutely. <laughs> now you and Brian first opened Mango uh, Automotive in 2021 and then the following year in 2022, you added two new locations. Uh, tell us about opening the first and then second, was multi-shop operations part of the business model or did that opportunity just present itself to you both? So when we opened the first shop, we were sort of waiting with bated breath. We didn't know when the transfer was going to happen, which now seems to be a pattern. I think we got the keys on December 23rd, so the day before Christmas Eve. And we wanted to open, you know, the coming Monday. So just a few days away, it was literally Brian and I and my two teenagers in that shop, just taking out all the furniture, repainting, building new furniture, cleaning things. I remember we pulled the service advisor desk and there was literally like a rat's nest inside of that desk, which we have come across more than once in our days. Um, so we were able to sort of in a weekend with our blood, sweat and tears, um, you know, turn around that shop. And we were really lucky that the technicians stuck with us and we were able to quickly hire a new service advisor. So that was fun. And I'm going to say the next two acquisitions weren't all that different because, well, we might put a closing date on paper for some reason. It is very hard to close on your closing date. And it always feels like we're closing in just a few days, but not really knowing exactly when the closing might happen. You asked me another question that is not coming to me now. Yeah, I'd asked you uh, whether multi-shop operations was part of the business model or did that opportunity present itself to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We always wanted to do acquisitions rapidly. In fact, we had wanted to do more than the three initial ones that we did, but we ran in sort into sort of a... Not a problem, but we just realized, okay, all of a sudden we have three shops now and Brian cannot be in three shops all at once. So we better spend Q3 and Q4 digging into our operations and our S building out our SOPs for these shops so that we can open a multitude of shops in the following year. So it was actually an intentional hold. Um, to just focus on what we were doing and make sure we had those shops settled, but and we had a solid foundation to build upon. Okay. Now, right now, you guys you know, have the three shops, and you mentioned in the Rational Rent story we did in February that you're looking to add 30 more this year. How will you approach that? We'll... We'll do the same thing we did in the past. I mean, I'll call and email owners of shops that have good reputations and that we're potentially interested in purchasing and see if there's any owners we can help retire. Unfortunately, there's a lot of shop owners who don't have an exit plan. Sadly, we see doors to shops just close or shop owners selling the property without um, enjoying or getting any value from the business they've built over the years. So we're there to, to try to help them develop an exit plan or at least give them another option to enter retirement. Okay. And so, you know, when you look at that idea of acquiring 30 shops, it sounds like a very aggressive expansion for one year. Like, what would your response be if someone just said that to you? Isn't that a lot of shops to acquire in one year? Sure. Uh, doing, going from zero shops to three shops is infinite growth. 
and someone might have looked at me and said that I was crazy. I've never been in brick and, brick and mortar before. <laughs> what in the world was I doing acquiring shops? Could I do that? But uh, there we've done it. So now we'll do another thing that, that might um, sound difficult. And how much planning goes into you know that sort of growth or taking that level of growth on? Is it a lot of just planning with you and Brian sitting down, just looking over things, looking over you know, shops and their revenue and, and locations? Like, how does that work? Oh, in terms of where we're putting the new shops? Yeah, yeah in, ter- in terms of, you know, the expansion, like in terms of whether you're going to acquire this shop, that shop to add to the mango fold. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's a bunch of things we consider. Acquisitions are mostly my domain. So poor Brian gets shops thrown onto his plate and he has to run them and make sure <laughs> after I've acquired them. But um, yeah, there's a lot of factors we consider. Obviously, you know, location is is a huge one. Proximity to us or proximity to a major airport. In 2023, we're sticking mostly to the Southwest, primarily because I know the Southwest. I lived in Texas for 12 years. I'm from Southern California in the Los Angeles area. I went to school in San Diego. My sister's in Phoenix. Um, my mom's in Utah. So I've I've sort of been around these spaces. So I have a sense for the lay of the land. And it doesn't take me a lot of research to know, like, where is the shop? Is it in a good location? Is this is this sort of a, a mango shop for us? Okay. And as part of your plan, you know, you mentioned it involves helping shops without clearly defined succession plans or none at all to get out of their shops. Uh, how do you find those shops? Or better yet, how have those shop owners begun looking for you if they have? Sure. Well, if anyone here is, you know, located in the Southwest and Colorado is in there too, and is interested in, you know, retiring or selling their shops, shoot me an email um, or give me a call. I'll just put my email address out there. Now it's J-E-S-S-E at mangoautomotive.com. Typically I'm looking in, you know, the next region that we're going to acquire in and I'm contacting owners who have good reputations and through, you know, either phone or snail mail. And for shop owners that want Mango to success, uh, to help with that succession, like how do you guys make for a stable transition where the owner feels good about it, as well as the team that you're taking on? Like, I know that you said that Brandon's, uh, sorry, that Brian's kind of that magic man who handles that stuff. Like, what does he do to get everybody just fully acclimated into Mango? Well, we'd have to get Brian on the line, but I can tell you what I know. So, you know, a lot of the transition is learning from the owner, learning what their policies and procedures are and how things work and developing a plan for how we can transition into the mango way that is easy for the employees. And one thing we do do is once the the transaction seems like it's definitely closing, but before it's actually closed, we set up a time to meet with the employees. So usually the owner will chat with their employees first and say, look, I'm retiring. And oftentimes the employees say, yeah, it's time for you to retire. We're not surprised what's happening now. Um, And they'll, you know, say that we're purchasing the business. And then Brian and I will come into the shop and meet the employees, answer all their questions, um, tell them they're you know, they're probably getting a raise We're they're going to have healthcare, vision, dental insurance, life insurance. And they get to, I think that the key is they get a chance to meet Brian um, and spend some time with them. We of course invite them to come to, to our other shops to sort of chat with our employees and see how they're working. Um, I think generally speaking, employees 
they could be a little hesitant. They can feel more comfortable once they meet Brian. And they have always to date given us a chance. And we've been lucky that we haven't ever lost an employee um, in the transition period. So what is it about Brian that, uh, that really resonates with people? Who can say? I don't know. That's why <laughs> he has it. I don't have it. <laughs> I, I mean, generally, I can say he never yells. He bonuses well. We provide good benefits. You know, there's that sort of baseline about him. But I don't know. That's the magic of Brian. That's why I keep him around. Uh, so your dream is to make Mango Automotive a national brand. What does that timeline look like? It's funny when you say it's it's a dream because I feel so certain that it will come to pass. <laughs> right, very well, very well. Touche. Your goal is to make Mango a national brand. What does that timeline look like? <laughs> the future is Mango Automotive is a national yes. brand. I think, <laughs> I think we're in the three to four year timeline. All right. So for shop owners who may be interested in talking to you about multi-shop ownership, how to acquire shops, or to get help with their own succession, how can they reach out to you, Jesse? Sure. Yeah. Shoot me an email. Again, Jesse, it's J-E-S-S-E at Mango Automotive. There is no I in Jesse in case you want to give me an I in there. It's not in there. Um, yeah. Reach out to me. I just, I, if you look at the automotive repair market, it's like, it's so fragmented. You have driven brands having the largest share in the market, in the automotive market, and they own 2%. So I really believe there's a lot of space for multiple brands to succeed. And I'm, you know, always happy to to help a friend or um, someone who's looking to grow as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today on Ratchet and Rich Radio, Jesse. Thank you, Chris. Bye. Absolutely. And best of luck on your growth. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet and Rich Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.